Hi, I'm Deb Hunter, and welcome to All Things Tudor, the podcast that blows the dust off the history books and brings the world of the Tudors roaring back to life. Each episode will bring you awesome guests and topics, stories, and revelations. The power, the sex, the scandals, the romance, and the ruthlessness. So join me, and together we'll pull back the curtain and discover the real lives of the Tudors. Hi, this is All Things Tudor, and I am Deb Hunter, and today we have our friend Lacey Bauer, Myla's back. Lacey, how are you today? Hey, y'all. I'm excited to be back to talk about what is rapidly shaping up to be one of my favorite shows of the fall. I'll tell you, I'm obsessed. I'll just be honest about it. The Serpent Queen has has got me wrapped, and I'm so glad you came back to give us some of your brilliant running commentary on it, and um, let's go. What do you think? I love this show. Like, I just think it really does get better and better every week. And now that Samantha Morton is, like, fully in charge, I would literally just watch her read the phone book, number one. But I think that she really does a great job kind of embodying all these sort of different angles of Catherine, like the sort of woman who just wants to be loved. She wants to get rid of Diane. She wants to be respected as a person of power and influence in her own right, she wants the chance to lead. She she wants to win. I don't fault her for that. But I feel like it's just a really and 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 she does occasionally want some not so nice things. Like your mileage may vary on whether or not you uh you think that she accidentally had a hand in killing her husband. But um sort of mystically speaking but I like that she gets to be all of these different things at one time. Like the show doesn't ask us to see her as a complete monster, but it also doesn't ask us to see her as a total victim either. Like she's not like the the show is not trying to position her like, you know, somebody who's been wronged by history and it's just misunderstood or whatever. Like she gets to be in the space where she can be both bad and sympathetic depending on the moment. And I think that's, Probably a lot truer to the person she actually was than most other kind of historical depictions of this woman. And you're so right. Something about Samantha Morton is so ethereal, isn't it? She has the most expressive eyes. Like, even when she's not talking, just like her her entire demeanor is saying something without saying anything. It's just such talent. So here's just a quick rundown on the Serpent Queen. We have the poor little rich girl, Catherine de' Medici, who marries the second son of the King of France. And she's thrown into this world where she's really not accepted. She's considered ugly, for lack of a better term. Um, everything's working against her. She learns a lot of lessons. And in turn, she learns how to she would say, teach them a lesson. So it's something I I believe people can identify with in a way simply because of what you just said, Lacey. She's very multidimensional, isn't she? Mm -hmm. I love that, though, because I have to admit, like coming into the show, I was a little I was a little nervous that it would be uh, much more on the lines of, ooh, isn't she so wicked? Let's be very gleefully like 
just indulgent about how bad she is. But she's she's not. Like, almost all of her choices... I mean, granted, I don't think that I would make some of these choices, but all of the choices she makes are very understandable ones, given the situation that she's in and, and her experiences. But it doesn't... It doesn't frame her as a victim of circumstance. Like, she has so much agency in this story that I think is really rare for historical dramas about women in power. Because a lot of times you just see uh, women who who are kind of always reacting to things. And I feel like she tries to make things happen. Well, that's a definite. Let's talk about how she learns that there is a price to be paid for everything. I'm really, well, I can't say I'm enjoying it because people are dying sometimes, but she learns that there's a price to be paid for what you want. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting that they've tied that to sort of the, I'm making air quotes that no one can see, like the magical aspect of this, because one of the sort of longstanding uh, fictions, things her enemies told the world was that Catherine de' Medici practiced the dark arts, that she was a witch, that she did, you know, all of these bad things using otherworldly dark powers. And I mean, I, I sincerely doubt that was true to start with. <laughs> but in fairy tales, you all hear the, you always hear the story that like all magic comes with a price. And that is kind of what we're watching play out here. And I like that the show doesn't I like the show. Like, I like that the show shows us her relationship with uh, Ruggieri and and how just straight up weird he is. But it doesn't it 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 doesn't say well this is happening because Catherine is using magical powers, which is another thing I was afraid they were going to do. And instead, they kind of let it just sit there and be what it is. Exactly. And you're the entertainment editor. Don't you think if she was practicing the dark arts that Diane would have been done away with by now? <laughs> right? Like, if you were really using magic to kill people, like, why would you not kill the person you hate the most? Does that make any sense? <laughs> <laughs> it, it just doesn't ring true, does it? <laughs> like, that woman lived for a long time. And if Catherine was just randomly murdering people, I think that that would have been her first target. Well, Let's talk about Diane. She is just such an intriguing figure. I actually was really ready, because I'm, I'm very team Catherine in this story. I was really ready to, to hate her or just assume that the show was going to present her as kind of like a homewrecker figure. Do you know what I mean? But I think it actually does a really good job of showing us that Diane is also in a really awful position. Because she is, well, she's a woman, which tends to suck. But, you know, she doesn't have a husband. She doesn't have any power of her own. She doesn't have a title or a position. Like, her entire everything is connected to how long she can keep Henry interested in her. And that has to keep happening no matter how she feels about it. I do think the show shows us that she genuinely does care for him. There's a moment in, like, the first or second episode where she's trying to she's trying to convince Henry that that he should just get rid of Catherine because she hasn't had any children yet. And, he's, and and she sort of like slides in there that he could marry her. And his response is like, what? You're old, which is a horrible. But B, like the look on her face is such genuine like hurt that I think you have to believe that this relationship is real for her. And I don't think I mean, as much as it's also self-preservation, I don't think you stay in a relationship with someone for multiple decades unless you genuinely do care about them. So I think 
I think it's just a really messy triangle all the way around. But I think the show does a good job of making it feel of making it feel balanced. Like I totally get why Catherine hates Diane. Like who who among us? Let's be honest. But I also see why Diane feels like she doesn't have like Henry's all she has, really. True. And just for the kids keeping score at home, Diane was 20 years older than Henry. And that is true. He fell in love with her when he was a teenager, and their relationship lasted throughout his life. So that's a bit unusual for someone to take a mistress, first off, for a lifetime, and secondly, that's 20 years older than them. So I find that in itself intriguing. I do, too. I mean, okay, the fact that they got together when he was, like, a teenager is kind of gross. Don't recommend that. No, 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 no. We don't. (laughs) But I do love that she's older than him because you – and she's considerably older than him because you never see that. It's always older kings with younger women, and that's fine. So good for the goose, good for the gander, I say. If you're a fan of Tudor history, come join us at All Things Tudor, a Facebook group dedicated to, well – All Things Tudor. Members can contribute a wide array of subject matter about Tudor history. You can also listen to the All Things Tudor podcast. There's a book club and a weekly clubhouse live audio chat, often featuring very special guests. Look for upcoming surprises for the group members in 2022. Become a member of one of the largest groups of Tudor history enthusiasts on the planet. Simply go to the Facebook search bar, type in All Things Tudor, Select the option to join the group and, of course, answer the membership questions. Join us now at All Things Tudor. Look forward to seeing you. Well, let's talk about the gold. How's that, how's that working into this? Does that symbolize anything? You know, that's true. That's, that's, that actually happened. I looked this up because I was like, there is literally no way you can eat gold. But apparently, I guess they exhumed Diane's body uh, and there were traces of gold found in her remains. So that is apparently something that actually happened. I think it's unfortunate how how much like she and other women, not just Diane, have to be have to be concerned with with what they look like. And I think it plays into what we were just talking about, about how she is older. So she is obviously, like, more desperate to say, to, to still appear youthful because she's already got a couple of decades on the man she's with. So obviously a drinking poison, no big deal if that helps maintain the status quo. I keep wondering if it's changing her... <sighs> mentally if it's I think that would definitely I just don't see how it couldn't be you know like you're not supposed to drink that (laughs) yeah exactly you're not supposed to bathe in it you're not supposed to put it on your face there's so many things she's doing that she should not be doing you can't help but like her um because she breaks all the norms she also has great fashion sense great fashion sense as well her dresses are killer absolutely love that black and white Uh, now Back to Catherine, we are at a crucial point in the show. Did she bring this upon Henry? Whew, I don't know. I really like that the show leaves it ambiguous. I feel like it hasn't really gone one way or the other about whether Catherine actually has some sort of supernatural abilities or whatever. I think maybe 
you can sort of influence things in the world if you do want it bad enough. And I don't think she necessarily wanted Henry to die. I think she just wanted to be free of the mess that that everything with him and Diane had become. And uh, uh, Ruggieri says something that I think is also really true. He says something to the effect of, you know, like, now that he's dead, he's more yours than he ever was when he was alive. And I think I think that's also really true and important because I think Catherine does love him. And it breaks her heart that he does not choose her, that he does not see the value in her. I'm going to say, I don't know. I don't know. She tried to stop it. She tried. She she told him not to do it. He did it anyway. I feel like that's got to be on him. So true. And I want to touch on something because all things Tudors loves Mary Queen of Scots. Where are we going with this story? Um, I also love Mary Queen of Scots, who is another woman that I think gets a bad rap in a lot of historical sort of recreations of her life. You know, when she gets back to Scotland and suddenly she's just like murdering husbands and is a tramp or whatever, which I also think is just not a fair read of who she was or what she did. Um, I really am intrigued by this dynamic they've built between Mary and Catherine. I don't think the show has done as necessarily as good of a job as I would like sort of depicting the admittedly very complicated kind of conflict between French Protestants and French Catholics at this time. Like you could do a whole show that was just a, about that and and nothing about any of these other people. But I don't I, th- I think in some ways Mary becomes kind of just a convenient symbol symbol for like Catholic fanaticism, which I think is unfortunate because I actually really like the dynamic between her and Catherine. I think they have a lot in common. And I think they are both, I think they kind of both approach power in very similar ways. I think if they didn't have to be in-laws, they might have liked each other. (laughs) That's true. Of course, Mary was born royal and then set to marry and become the Queen of France. And Catherine came up a totally different way. She had the money, but you know, there's, like you say, there's a real dichotomy there. And probably in real life, that would have made them good friends. I feel like outsiders always, I feel like just this position that both of them sort of would have had in French court as as outsider figures would have probably helped with that. I don't know. Part of me was like, oh, I want her to like get mentored by Catherine and like learn to be a better ruler because Catherine's like kicking butt. But that is not to be. And she gets manipulated pretty roundly. But I think uh, the way that Catherine does it is very, I mean, it's very incredible, to be honest. But I don't know. I like that. I like this Mary a lot. I like that she is very, uh, she's very firm in her beliefs. She's very forceful in her opinion. She is not going to sit down and be a dutiful figurehead which i think is probably also pretty true to the the woman the real mary was and i don't know it's just funny because francis is such a dishrag that obviously like he needs a wife like mary that's true and they really did grow up together i I believe mary was five years old when she was sent to france just makes me think of do you ever watch the cw show rain i loved that show it's so historically inaccurate but like they do a really good job of sort of portraying that relationship as like a real romance, which I suspect it probably was. Probably so. We'll never know. Now, where do you see 
the separate queen taking us? Well, I am really interested about this because at some point, the story that Catherine is telling, because it's really easy to forget in these later episodes because there's so much happening that, that this is all a story that Catherine is telling someone or that Mary is telling someone, which is sort of a POV shift that I think is extremely interesting. Like, why does she become the narrator for that one episode? I'm not sure. I liked it, but... At some point, the story of the show that we're watching is going to catch up with the story that Catherine is telling. And then what? Because there is a lot of her story, because we're, what, a, a few days before Charles is supposed to be crowned. So that's, I mean, there's still decades of, of stuff that she has to do. So this could go really anywhere, I think. And I this is also me sort of stealth campaigning for a season two, because... Obviously, when the show and the story intersect, there's, you know, then what we're watching is going to become what's kind of, I'm making air quotes again, like happening in real time on the show. But that's not the end of Catherine's story. So, fingers crossed. That's true. Let's start campaigning for season two right now. What do you say? Yeah, use your snake emojis. (laughs) (laughs) I think we can do that. Well, Lacey, thank you so very much for your time today, and I hope you come back. Oh, my gosh. I love coming on and talking to you about this because this show is so, like, it's. this is one of those shows that, like, when you look at it from a distance, it, does, it doesn't seem like it's going to be that deep or that thoughtful, but it really is both of those things. So I hope it keeps going. Same here. I would say it's my guilty pleasure, but I don't feel guilty. I don't believe in guilty pleasures. I think if you enjoy something, <laughs> you should. I think if you enjoy something, you should enjoy it and not feel bad about it. I don't think there's any reason to feel bad about watching anything you like. Exactly. It's just great fun. And so are you. And thank you for joining me today on All Things Tudor. Thanks to the audience. Please follow and subscribe. And thank you for making the magic happen. Have a good day, and we'll catch y'all later. Thanks, Lacey. You've been listening to All Things Tudor. My thanks go to listeners, my husband, and my team. If you like what you hear, leave a review, follow wherever you get your podcast, and share with your friends to help others find the show. Join the All Things Tudor Facebook community to connect with tens of thousands of Tudor history lovers. You can also connect with me across social media at the Deb ATL. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch y'all later.